First of all, I'd like to thank everyone who are behind the scenes to create tonight's uh, beautiful tish um, from the student government and, uh, and all the people involved in the student government, outside of the student government, everybody that volunteered in any which way, small or large, I'd like to personally thank them and I'd like to thank everyone here for coming and for being Mishtatev in a yeshiva event. It's a big thing. The Hasidish Svarim write that during Elul and Aser Tshuva, the king is in the field. And what that means is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is very, very accessible during these days. Dirshu Hashem B'Matzai HaKadosh Baruch Hu is found. He's always found. The whole year he's found. But during this time of year, there's a concentrated ability to sense HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to reach out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to interact, as it were, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a way that's really unique to this time of year. The king is in the field. If that's true for Elul and Aser Tshuva, on Yom Kippur, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is mamish in front of us, or maybe we're in front of him. It's as if we're the Kayin Gadol on Yom Kippur, coming lefnai v'lefnim, standing in the presence of the Rabbi Shalom. And so on Yom Kippur, we reach out to him, we become closest to him, and we embrace him. We have joy, we have fear, we have a certain solemnity. We ask for forgiveness. We have hearts full of remorse, eyes full of tears, and our future full of promise. That's what Yom Kippur is. Yom Kippur is a day that we really can embrace the Rabbi Nishraim Kaviyachal. One of my favorite parts of davening on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is at the end of Musaf. At the end of Musaf, there's a happy niggin. And one stanza in that is, Hayyim Tegadlenu. We ask HaKadosh today to make us big. Make us big, HaKadosh today. What does that mean? It means that when we stand in front of a king, there's no room for smallness. There's no room for pettiness. A king is not provincial. A king is not local. A king is not very here and not there. A king is everywhere. A king is huge. A king is able to be the expansiveness of his entire monarchy. That's what a king is. A king is not a person who dwells in a palace. A king embodies the entire malchus that he reigns over. So if there's one idea of something being a gadol, it's a king. A king is a gadol because by virtue of the fact that he represents his entire malchus, it doesn't get much bigger than that. And so when you're standing before a king, 
you can't be provincial. You have to be big. You have to ask HaKadosh Baruch to God Lenu, make me big. Make me have the ability to expand my natural small horizons. We think very small. We ask for very small things and we're satisfied in Ruchnius at least, we're Mestapik Bemuet. Instead of being Mestapik Bemuet and Gashmius, which is really what we're supposed to be doing and saying it's enough to have a very, very little amount of Gashmius, instead we want a lot of Gashmius we wanna, we're happy with a, little, a very little bit of ruchnius. If we learn a little bit, we daven a little bit, that's good enough. But when we stand in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu on Yem Hadin and on Yem Kippur, where the king is mamish in front of us and he's huge, we have to also be very expanded. We can't stay restricted and bitsimsum. We have to... We have to very much enlarge our horizons, expand our horizons, and think and dream much bigger than we naturally do on a daily basis. There's an amazing story that's told about a, a Jew, a very wealthy French Jew. And he lived in Paris in a very luxurious penthouse apartment. And he kept to himself. He wasn't really so friendly with other people. He basically lived in that apartment and he didn't reach out too much. And there was one neighbor who was like on the same floor as he. And he bumps into him once and they start talking even though they really had nothing to do with each other. And in the course of conversation, this Jew speaks to this other, this person who's not Jewish, he's, he's, uh, he's Persian, he's, he's Parisian rather, and he's from Paris, French, and he basically tells him that he's married to the former queen of Morocco, meaning she was the queen, she was married to the king, the king died, and so, and his son took over after the king died. So this is basically the mother and the stepfather of the king of Morocco. It's a big yichus. And so he confided in this year that was his neighbor that I am the stepfather of the king of Morocco. And sometimes the king actually comes and visits his mother and he comes to this apartment and of course there's very tight security, nobody's supposed to know about this, and it's in the dark of night, but once in a while, the king of Morocco, which is a big deal, he comes and he visits uh, his mother and myself, and he comes to this apartment. So this Yid was pretty fascinated by this, and he says, would I be able to ask you if next time the king of Morocco comes to your apartment, if you could just like give me a heads up, I'd like to, I'd like to meet him. So he says, okay, I'll try, to, I'll try to arrange that. And sure enough, a couple of weeks later, the king of Morocco came for a visit, and he knocks on the door of his neighbor, the Yid, and he says, the king is here, you said you wanted to meet him. So the Yid comes, bringing his 13-year-old son. He just had turned bar mitzvah, 
and they're introduced to the king of Morocco, and he says, Your Highness, it's such a pleasure to meet you. So he says, tell me a little bit about yourself, and tell me a little about your son. He was very interested. And the father says, you know, my son just turned bar mitzvah, if you know what that is. He says, no, what's that all about? He says, well, in Jewish law, when a, when a son becomes uh, 13 years old, he accepts upon himself a responsibility of mitzvahs, of God's commandments, and it's a very big deal, and we made a big party for him, and people give gifts, and uh, now he becomes part of a quorum of when he could, he could pray together, and he's going through all of the, all of the very, uh, you know, many laws of a bar mitzvah boy, and, 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 and the king was very, very interested. So, and the king took a liking to this, uh, to this young bar mitzvah boy, and um, the next day, the neighbor called him back. He says, the king wants to meet you again. Okay? So they come in, and uh, he congratulated the boy on his bar mitzvah and handed him an envelope stamped with the royal seal of Morocco. He says, this is a present for you upon your reaching bar mitzvah. So they said, so that's very nice of you. It wasn't necessary. You don't really know us, but, and you're the king of Morocco. You don't need to give us presents, but we appreciate it. How shocked the father and son were. This is a true story, by the way. How shocked the father and son were when they opened this envelope and they found a check for $50,000. That's a pretty good bar mitzvah present. And they came back to the king, they knocked on the door, and they said, no, 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 you know, $18 is normally what, you know, what people do. If you really want to be generous, make it $180. But $50,000, that's really way out of proportion. You don't have to do that. That's really unnecessary. So the king of Morocco said that I agree with you in principle that it's a lot of money and that it really is maybe even too much for your son to manage. But as king of Morocco, a gift offering of lesser value would not befit his honor and royal station in life. Meaning... The king of Morocco is the king of Morocco. He's, he's royalty. He embodies royalty. It doesn't pass for him. It's not appropriate for him to give a small amount. It would cheapen the entire prestige of the Malchus of Morocco if that would happen. So he has no, no choice but to give this amount. When this Jew from Paris was on a trip to Eretz Yisrael, one of the stops that he made was Reb Chaim Kanievsky. And when he was meeting with Reb Chaim, he told him this story. And Reb Chaim immediately, Kedarka, drew a parallel, saw something in, in Yadus to take from it. And he said... In Avinu Malkeinu, we say, Avinu Malkeinu 
Do for your sake, Hashem, if not for our sake. What does that mean? We don't really deserve much from the Rabbi Nishleilam. We come up quite short when all is said and done. Baruch Hashem, we learn and we daven, but do we really learn, do we really daven, do we really perform mitzvahs, is there really a, uh, is there, are we doing with our whole heart, are we doing any mitzvah l'shma, whether it's tzedakah, whether it's chesed, are we always doing it purely for the sake of HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanding us? Probably not. Very few mitzvahs are going to come up in our, in our cheshpan as being really perfect, rock-solid mitzvahs. So we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu that even though we might not deserve it, but you, you're the king of kings, you're the Malchus, you are representative of the entire world. So when you're giving us a gift, when you're giving us the gift of Mechila, Slicha, Kapara, when you're giving us the gift of another new year, hopefully full of bracha and parnasa and health and happiness, when all of that is being granted, don't do it for our sake, because we probably maybe don't deserve that. But for your sake you should do it. I say, if the king of Morocco has to give $50,000 in order to ascertain that he's the king of Morocco, in order to really show, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the greatness of the Malchus, and less than that would not be appropriate, he gives something, you should give Baravchus, give us whatever we want in a grand scheme, on a grand scale. That's what we want from you. An overabundance of compassion, benevolence, and kindness. Because that's what befits your sovereignty. When we stand before the Rabbi Nishlam on Yom Kippur, we have to keep this in mind. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so great that we have to think in great terms. And we have to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not for small measures, but for very large measures of Hatzlacha, of Bracha. Don't think small and petty. Think big. David HaMelech writes in Tehillim, Anoichi Hashem Elekecha HaMalcha Meretz Mitzrayim. I am Hashem, your God, who took you out of Mitzrayim, Fill up your mouth. Widen your mouth. And I will fill it. Meaning, ask whatever you want. And I'll give it to you. My father, Olav Shalom, whose yard site was today, his eighth yard site, he told me once that he went to a dentist in Eretz Yisrael. He was on a trip to Eretz Yisrael. And sometimes, you know, your teeth don't always behave uh, just because you're overseas, that doesn't mean that everything is always perfect in your mouth. And he taka all of a sudden developed a toothache and a cavity, and he had to go to some Israeli dentist. Um, and he said that in the dentist's office there was a, a framed pasuk hanging on the wall. Harche picha vamalehu. Open up your mouth wide, and I will fill it. 
But Chazal say that what this means is when you ask, and really Chazal say it specifically when it comes to Tyra, don't ask for smallness. Don't say, you know what, I'd really like to, you know, to master uh, the Amit of Gemara that I'm learning. Ask for Shas. Why not? Ask for Paiskim. Ask for Shulchan Aruch. Ask to be a Baki in, uh, in Tanakh. Think big. Why are we always being mitzamtzim ourselves? We're always thinking so small. Obviously, we have to be happy with our small daily progress. Can't get depressed because we don't know Shas. But you're standing before the Melech Malchei Amlochim and you're asking for something so small. It's like asking the king of Morocco for, for 50 cents when he's willing to give you $50,000. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could do anything. HaKadosh Baruch Hu give us a brain like the rugged shaver. He can give us the hasmada of the stipler. He can give us the midas of our Chaim Brisker. He could do anything he wants. We just have to ask for it. And we have an opportunity on Yom Kippur because we're going to be standing in front of the King of Kings. And he wants us to ask. He wants us to plead. He wants us to think large. And we could say to him, you know, I'm not saying that I deserve to be blessed with all of the blessings that I'm asking for, but I say, if I don't deserve it, that's okay. But you, you're the Kol Yachol, it's appropriate for you to give me more than I deserve because you're the king. And here I am standing before you. Show everybody that you're the king. Show us that you're the king. Show us that you're in charge by giving us in the greatest of measures. Don't settle for smallness on Yom Kippur. Ask for a complete change in life. Say that I want to do tshuva. Give me the opportunity, the ability, the rotsin to do tshuva. A tshuva shlema, we say. A complete tshuva. I don't want a half tshuva. I tried that last year. Didn't work. Give me a tshuva shlema this year. I want a tshuva that I really, really see change, see progress. This year I want to learn with a real gishmak, a real asmada. I want real chidushim this year. I want a davening that I'm not spacing out and thinking about the entire world, but I'm thinking about you, Rabbi Shalom, and you could give me that. I want a parnasa that I'm going to be able to feed my family I want to be able to have great midas. I want to be able to have popularity. I want to be able to, to spread good cheer, make people happy, be mechazic people. I want to think large. I don't want to be petty anymore. I want to be big. Hayyim to God When Rabbi Yechonim ben Zakkai was sick, the Gemara in Brachas on Chavchesim Abay says that his Talmidim came to visit him. And when he saw them, he started to cry. And his students said to him, Ner Yisrael, Amud HaYemini, they started giving him beautiful titles. And they said, why are you crying? What are you crying about? 
So he said to them, you know, if I would be brought right now before a Melech Basav Adam, before a king of flesh and blood who is here today, he's in the grave tomorrow, and if he becomes angry with me, his anger is temporary, it's not eternal. If he imprisons me, it's not an eternal imprisonment. If he kills me, it's not a permanent death. And I could appease him with words or bribe him with money. I would cry, right? Because I'm going before the king, the judge. So now that I am brought before the king of kings, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who lives for all eternity, and if he becomes angry at me, it is an eternal anger. If he imprisons me, it's an eternal imprisonment. If he kills me, it's a permanent death. And I cannot appease him with words or bribe him with money. And not only that, but I have two roads before me. I'm about to die. I could either go to Gan Eden or Gehenna, and I don't know which one I'm going to. I shouldn't cry. Now, this is a very, very strange Gemara because we know Rabbi Yechem and Zakai as the Tzadik Hadar. Did Rabbi Yechem and Zakai for a minute think that he might be going to the road of Gehenna? Who are we talking about over here? Okay, so the simple answer is that he is such an unav that he didn't really see himself as, uh, as a shoo-in, as a lock-in for, for Gan Eden. But I saw once a pshat from Rabbi Yashaber Salavetchik, a beautiful pshat. He says like this. He says, life is very complicated. We often think in terms of black and white, things are so clear. But the truth is that they're not clear at all. Things are very complex. Things are very gray. Most of life is not black and white. Most of life is gray. And you have to always question and try to recalculate and try to examine and explore and understand whether or not you're doing the right thing or you're not doing the right thing. Rabbi Yechonah ben Zakkai, he speculates, was haunted his whole life because of an incident that we know about from the Gemara and Gittin that we learn on Tisha B'av. The Gemara says there that when Rebbechem and Zakkai was sort of taken out very clandestinely from the old city of Yerushalayim, and he wanted to meet with Aspasianus, the great um, Roman general who was just then becoming king. So at the end of the conversation that he had with him, Rabbi Yechen ben Zakkai asked for three things from Aspasianus. Because Aspasianus says, you know, ask me whatever you want. So he asked for three things. One of the things was, I want the city of Yavna and the Chachamim, all the scholars in Yavna, Another thing that he asked was that the line of Rabbi Gamliel should be preserved and should be saved. And the third thing is that he wants a cure for Abtzadik. Abtzadik was very, very sick. He was very gaunt, thin. He was fasting for many years and he needed medical help and he asked for a doctor to, to cure Abtzadik. And the Gemara says, well, why didn't he ask for Yerushalayim? Yerushalayim was going to be destroyed. The Beis HaMikdash was going to be burned to the ground. And we're going to be mourning Tisha B'av's for thousands of years as a result. 
Rabbi Yechon and Menzaka, you were standing in front of Aspasianus. Why didn't you ask for Yerushalayim? Yavne is a great city. And Rabbi Gamliel is amazing. And, and Rabbi Tzadik is a Tzadik Adar. But you had a chance to ask for Yerushalayim. Why didn't you ask it? And the Gemara says, because he had a reason. Tafasta Merubah Lai Tafasta. You don't overreach. It would be like too big of, a, of, a, of an ask to ask Aspasianus for Yerushalayim. After all, Aspasianus basically came to Eretz Yisrael, to conquer Yerushalayim, to take it down. You can't ask for that. That's like the, that's the trophy. You can't ask uh, for that. You have to like leave that on the table and ask for things that are more manageable and more doable. And that's where the Gemara leaves it. But Rabbi Yashubar Salavechik says that it had to haunt Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Yechemen Zaka, his whole life. It's not so black and white that he did the right thing. The Gemara itself had a question on him. Did he do the right thing? And you better believe that in his own mind, he was questioning and second-guessing and third-guessing himself. What did I do? Maybe I should have just asked for Yerushalayim. Rabbi Yechman Zakkai had to see the Beis HaMikdash Nechrav. And this must have haunted him. And to his dying day, he was saying, who knows, I'm going to go up to Elam Abba. I'm going to, I think that I'm going to just like, you know, chap Elam Abba. Maybe I'm going to Gehenim because maybe there's going to be a tain on me. You had a chance to ask for your shalayim and you let that chance slip through your fingers. Are you crazy? Okay, I hear, but like, your shalayim's gone. And this is what was on his mind on his dying day, that I have a road ahead of me, Ganeiden, Gehenim, and I don't know which one I'm going to be led on. And that's why I'm going to cry. I just want to be mice of one knech onto this vart, based on what we're saying here today. Rabbi Yechonim ben Zakkai had just told Aspasianus that he was going to be the king Aspasianus at first did not believe him. He said, he says, you're high of Misa for saying that. There is a king. There is a, a Caesar of, of Rome. You don't have the right to call me the Caesar. I'm not the Caesar. And if I am the Caesar, he says, why didn't you come to me earlier? Imalka, no. If I'm Taka the king, then you should have come to me earlier. In the end, a, a messenger then came and said, Caesar's dead. You're the king, Mazel Tov. Interesting Gemara. The Gemara says that at the time he had one boot on already, and then when this news came, he tried to get the second boot on, but he couldn't get the boot on. And the Gemara says, because Shmua Taiva Tadashin Etzim, when you have good news, it makes the bones swell. And so basically, he didn't know what to do. So Rabbi Yechim says, can I give you an Eitzah? Because he couldn't get the first boot off. He couldn't get the second boot on. He was sort of, you know, not really in a great position. This isn't a great way to start off your, your Malchus. And he says, have an enemy walk by you. Because when you see an enemy, it's going to sort of put a, put a damper on your whole mood, and then you'll be able to get whatever boot on and off you want. It's an amazing thing also. And the Bali Musar learn from this how, how we're so affected by other people. You're the king of the world now. You're the Roman Caesar and, and, and you're upset because some, some, some you know, 
petty guy is passing in front of you, like, who cares? You're the king of the world. But obviously we do care. We're, that's the way the human beings are. But anyway, so he just became the king. When you're standing in front of the king, you're not provincial. Fakert, the more large you ask, the greater the covet of Malchus it is. Imagine if the first act of Aspasianus was to pardon Yerushalayim. That shows how great he was. He's the Melech. And as the Melech, you have to ask big. You know the expression, go big or go home. That's exactly what it is. That's Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is go big or go home. That's the title of the Shmuz tonight. You have to go big. If you're not going to go big, then go home. Then don't even bother coming to Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day that you come and you have to dream and think and state big things. And I think that's why Rabbi Yechem and Zakai was really haunted. Because this wasn't Stam, Olam de Shavar, Tafastam Rubalai, Tafastam Rubalai, Tafastam is a nice svara in the Gemara on a Tuesday afternoon when you're talking about Dine Mamanis between Reuven and Shimon. It's cute. It's nice. It's Emes. But when you're standing in front of a melech, there's no tafasta merubalite tafasta. That's not a concept that a king understands. A king wants you to ask big. You're talking to me. What are you? You're asking for little stuff? I don't deal with little stuff. I deal with big stuff. I'm the king. You're asking something petty? You're asking tamely yavne vechachamea? That's really what you want? Fine, take it. I, you know, but just get away from me. Rabbi Yechonah ben Zakkai had an opportunity, but not stam, to be a mechutzef. It was expected of Rabbi Yechonah ben Zakkai to ask for something really, really big. Because you're standing in front of the king. You know, I just thought of Rabbi Baruch Ber, says a great vart. On Avinu Malkeinu, did you notice, like Rosh Hashanah, we're not supposed to ask for any bakashas, right? We don't ask for any bakashas. But yet we say Avinu Malkeinu. Avinu Malkeinu is, we didn't say it on the first day, we said it on the second day, we don't say it on Shabbos. But we ask for bakashas. What's the shot? Why are we asking for bakashas? Avinu Malkeinu, Eilon Melacha, Avinu Malkeinu, Shachar for Shlema, Kasvein Besei for this, Besei for that. Hello, I thought we don't ask bakashas on Rosh Hashanah. Zokter Baruch Ber, Rosh Hashanah is a day that you're coronating the king. And part of coronation is the king used to go from village to village and people used to ask him of things and he would grant everybody's request on the day that he was coronated. Because when a king shows that he is limitless in his power, that itself is mamluchim as a melech. On Yom Kippur, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not in the field, he's in, right in front of us. He's palpable. He's here. And he's saying to us, I'm here. What do you want? What do you need? Well, I, 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 you know, I could use a little bit of a, of a raise. No, sorry, you blew it. I could use a little bit of uh, extra, you know, learning. I'd like to make an extra. No, no, no. I'm the king. You're standing before me. Ask big. 
Don't embarrass me by asking something small. This year I want to be, help me. I need Siat Nishmaya. I'm going to start, I'm going to try, but I want you to complete my tshuva so that it's a real tshuva. I want a refuah for the entire world. Corona is a, wi- a worldwide epidemic, a pandemic, a virus that's killing 200,000 people in this country alone, in this sophisticated country, with all the greatest healthcare systems, with the finest doctors and nurses and first responders, and we lost 200,000 Americans. I'm not, this is not a backwater country. This isn't a country that uh, Bill Gates has to, has to you know, send vaccines to because they can't afford you know, regular sewage systems. We're living in the United States of America. We can't contain a virus. It's, con- it's, it's consuming us. How do you stop this virus? Well, we need a vaccine. How long are we going to hear that we need a vaccine? Is the vaccine coming? Is it really going to come? I thought the summer was supposed to kill this virus. Didn't they say the summer was going to kill the virus? Didn't they say that we're going to get it under control already by now? It's getting worse. We're having spikes in, in, in throughout the world in Eretz Yisrael. Everything's on lockdown. In America, we're heading in that direction again, Hashem Yirachim, it seems. Who could solve this problem? Are we looking towards the president? Are we looking towards uh, the head of the CDC? Who, who's going to stop this? The only way this thing is going to be stopped is the Rabbi Nishlam. I'm sorry. I hope that, that that doesn't offend anybody. The only way that this thing is going to be stopped is the Rabbi Nishlam. We have an opportunity on Yom Kippur as we stand before the Rabbi Nishlam to say, Our king, I'm going to ask for something. He's saying, okay, make it big. Okay, I'll do it. Take away the Magefa. All of the thousands of Yidden throughout the world that are in the hospitals with COVID, that are on respirators, on being intubated, You know how many people we lost? Sadikim, Gedailim, Sitkanias, fine Yidden, Balabatim Chashuvim, young people. It's not just an old person's disease. You see online, you know, there's websites that are dedicated just for people that died of COVID this year. And it's a lot of it is young people. People your age, people my age, people in the middle. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, ask. Don't be afraid to ask. It's not too big for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu could handle it. He's the Kol Yachol. What do you want? What do you want in life? Think about what you want in life today, and Yom Kippur, bring that list into Beis Medrash with you, put it in your machzer, and ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Do you have a relative that's, that's not doing well, or either Parnassah-wise or health-wise? Maybe you know people that are older singles that need a shidduch and it seems desperate. They're not. Who's going to marry? HaKadosh Baruch Hu's not incapable. Hayat Hashem Tiktsar. You think HaKadosh Baruch Hu's reach is, is, is so short that he can't do whatever he wants to do? The only thing is we think that 
Our reach is too short. We think we're petty people. We don't have the ability to leave that to the G'daylam to ask for something really big. We don't, you know, who are we? We're, we're lucky if we just creep through the Yemadin. But that's a fallacy. On Yom Kippur, we have to go big. On Yom Kippur, we have to do supernatural things. We could come out of Yom Kippur with a tafasta murubalai tafasta attitude. Let's just, you know, be very, very meek and simple and humble. Or we could say, Akadishparchu, Heyeim Piais Amcha Beis Yisrael. I'm representing. I'm a shliach of Kla Yisrael. Uvachain. In Shemayin Esra, we have this refrain, Rashani Yom Kippur, Uvachain Tein Pachtacha, Uvachain Sadikim. Uvachain, Uvachain, Uvachain. What's up with that word? And the Avodram says that it comes from Megillah Esther. Esther Amalka. She comes before Achashverish to to plead on behalf of her people. That word, Uvachain, prepares us for coming before the King of Kings. And when you come before the King of Kings, don't think small. You have to think really, really, really big. Do you realize that we have the ability to literally change the world on Yom Kippur? We could literally stop the Magefa with our own tefillahs. With my tefillahs, with your tefillahs, we could stop the Magefa. With your tefillahs, with my tefillahs, we could spare countless thousands, hundreds of thousands of people from dying. With your tefillahs and my tefillahs, we could ensure that people that have lost everything will once again be able to find Parnassah. Do you know how many people lost jobs, lost businesses? How many restaurants are no longer? How many, how many, everything is gone. People mamish in every field, in every sector of life. I spoke on Rosh Hashanah to somebody that's very, very wealthy. He says, I learned, and this guy, you know, he's really wealthy, very powerful guy, and, it, it, you know, and he knows it. He said, COVID brought me to my knees. I saw with my own eyes how limited I am. I thought that I was a kol yachal, and I realized that I am so not. How could a shpachal could stop everything that we thought was a given, it's all not a given anymore. People had very successful businesses, and they went to nothing. People were very healthy and robust, and they became terribly ill, and many of them died. So many tsaras upon tsaras, marriage problems because of all the quarantining. It became very hard. Children and parents fighting, parents, husbands and wives fighting. So many things happened as a result of this machala. And we could stop it. We can make Tafshin Payalif a year that everything turns around. But it takes our tefillahs. We're Esther HaMalka on, on Yom Kippur. We're coming before the king and saying, maybe it's Sholei Kadas. Maybe we're not deservant of what we're asking, but you are. You're so big.
When we ask for big things, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees that we believe that he's the Kal Yachal. And we're allowed to ask for everything. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is waiting for us to ask for everything. And this is when we could achieve the godless that really is us. So many of us are really G'daylem. But people have told us that we're not. Or maybe we told ourselves that we're not. So we settle... I don't have to learn so much. I don't have to die. I mean, I'm, I'm just a regular guy. How many people have you heard say that? I heard once a great vart. And we'll end with this. You know, there's a... Uh, there's a, an insect in the, in the bee family. It's called a bumblebee. And the bumblebee is like a big, fuzzy, heavy bee. And it has little wings. It, like, it, it looks like it's a very, it's a heavy thing. It's like a, a real heft of a, of a, of a thing. It's, it's heavy. <laughs> it's like, you know, it like bumps into flowers and it like, you know, it's like a weird thing, but it's like, it's like a blimp of a bee. And it has these little wings. And I heard once from, a, from somebody that knows that um, aerodynamically, there's no way that a, a bumblebee could really fly. Its wings are so small and, 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 and so undeveloped that it can't really naturally, there's no way naturally that that hefts of a bee could be carried by those little wings. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense biologically. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't. So why can the bumblebee fly? That's the mystery that, 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 that racks scientists from time immemorial. And the answer that was suggested is that the reason why the bumblebee can fly is because nobody told it that it couldn't. If it would have heard my tire that I just said, it wouldn't have even tried. You're right, I, I, you know, forget it, it's not worth it. But nobody told it that. And when nobody tells it that it's limited, it says, hey, I think I'd do this. Reb Chaim Kanievsky did not start being Reb Chaim Kanievsky thinking that he's Reb Chaim Kanievsky. He didn't know who Reb Chaim Kanievsky was at the time. But he said, you know what, I'm going to try. I- I'm going to try learning this Masechta. I'm going to try learning that Masechta. I'm going to hazard it a couple of times. Let's try another Masechta and another Masechta. And before you know it, he's Reb Chaim Kanievsky. And the same is true for all G'daylem. And I'm not saying that we have the brains and the hasmada and the yichas and the, and the siyat dishmaya. We don't need to. We need to be the best version of ourselves that we could be. And I don't know how many of us really are. I'm certainly not. I could be much, much better in so many things. But maybe I listened to other people or I listened to myself once too many times and that limited me. But when we say on Yom Kippur, Hayyim Tegadlenu, it means expand my horizons. Let me realize that just like you're immense, I'm also, I'm a Tzalem Elikim, I have greatness inside of me. And I'm going to ask you to reveal that greatness in me. 
I'm going to ask you to reveal that your greatness to the world. I'm going to ask you to save Klal Yisrael, to save the world, to stop the virus, to do everything that you can, and I can ask it because you're the king. And I say, but at the same time, in your presence, I feel that I could be a gadol. I feel great myself because I have the ability to speak to you. And Yom Kippur could be that breakthrough moment that we all need in our life to see our true potential, to see our true godless. And I don't have to always settle for mediocrity. I don't have to say I'm a Baal Mesapra Lashon Hara and I can't help it. I don't have to say that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm satisfied with knowing the Masechta this well when I can know it that well. Or chazering it once when I could chazer it a hundred times or a hundred and one times. You don't have to accept mediocrity. You have greatness inside of you. Yom Kippur is the day that we could reveal all of that greatness. We get to stand before the Rabbi Nisham, just you and me and him. Sing to him, cry to him, confide in him, confess to him, but ask for big things. Don't settle for small things. It's, it's, it's embarrassing for the Rabbi Nisham when you ask for things too small in front of him. Don't be mistapik mu. Don't say, tafastam rubalei tafasta. Say, harche picha v'amaleyu. I'm going to ask for everything. I'm here to save the world. I'm Superman. On Yom Kippur, we're all Superman. I'm here to save the world. I'm coming, asking you, save the world. Save Klal Yisrael. Bring Mashiach. Uvechein. Tzadikim Yerub Yismachu. Let's see the Tzadikim be happy again. Let's see the world in the way that it should be. Reveal yourself to us. Show the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how great you could be. Prove it to the world. And I'll prove to you how great I could be. Hayyem to God